Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti with the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. And with me today is Dave Nestoff, Director of Product and Engineering with Simplifya. Thank you very much for joining me today, Dave. Yeah, great to be with you, David. All right, before we get started, please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. You could also help us out a lot by leaving a positive review. Finally, to email the podcast, you could reach me at david at cannabisequipmentnews.com. All right, so I'd like to start off with, I, I read that you've spent the last five years at startups. So what is it about startups that you particularly enjoy? The ability to do a lot of things, I think, is really the, the most common denominator. So uh, I, I like to think of myself uh, as kind of a renaissance man where I like design. I like the engineering side. I like the writing. I, I like and kind of have experience with all of it just even before kind of joining Simplifya. And so the startup, especially the small ones, really do kind of allow you to have that handprint on so many different things because they need you to have that handprint on so many different things. And so that's really been kind of the fun part for me. Uh, especially just as I've accrued kind of experience across different careers, software engineering is, is probably my third one now following teaching and uh, uh, journalism. So yeah, it's, it's really that about startups that I, I really appreciate and really appeals to me. Okay. Um, wow. Teaching and journalism first. I mean, it sounds like we were on a similar path. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it started off as a teacher and uh, it turned out that if I wound up in a, in a, uh, a school district that maybe wasn't as progressive, some of my uh, philosophies weren't as well received. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I could see that. I, so I didn't have a stateside teaching experience. I was over actually in South Korea for a couple of years doing it. English oh, is a wow. second language, um, which was its own kind of um, little building block in the experience. But yeah, absolutely. And I feel like, uh, you know, life's kind of just a process of, of eliminating the things that maybe aren't the best for you for one reason or another. And, mm-hmm. and clearly we both find ourselves more in uh, content slash the, the technical realm of things, which kudos to us. So how did you find yourself in the cannabis industry? So my, my first or my most recent kind of career change came after I went to Dev Bootcamp. Um, I was working at a startup in Chicago called Wiseant. Uh, doing marketing, and then just kind of getting a taste of of things like the database side of things and the front end side of things really made me rethink, uh, you know, I I wanted to go into software engineering. So I did that. I went to Deb Bootcamp in Chicago, um, RIP. They're now now defunct, but um, it was a great experience for me. And it just so happened that our COO currently, Rick Matsumoto, um, was very kind of well aware of what you get when you kind of go with engineer hires who are on a, a different career, um, that you get a different skill set than the, than the computer science kids who are coming out of college. Uh, and so I was the I was the pick there, and and cannabis really really appealed to me for what I know both about you know the the active THC side and the CBD side. Um, just a, a chance to like education before it kind of do something that really had a, a positive impact, uh, and it really does simplify it too because I think compliance is. Compliance is really, we believe, the way that we're going to get to the industry, raising the bar, decreasing the stigma, and, and that's really where we need to go. What do you get with a developer that's had a previous career versus a developer that's just a computer science major coming out of school? Well, computer science major, you're going to get real good technical expertise, right? Um, going to going to be able to to write the clean code, hopefully, and with a little bit of training. But they'll they'll take more to kind of that base. This is what a computer does. This is how the ones and zeros work. 
Um, certainly beneficial, but I think a little less so at a startup where you need to know um, how do I how do I come in being good at documentation? How do I come in being good at under understanding how we're helping the clients? Uh, a lot of a lot of developers, and there's certainly a stigma for engineers that you know they're buried so far behind the keyboard that you don't always necessarily they're not always willing or inclined to kind of think through to the end user. Um, and that's been huge for Simplify. That's, that's huge for, for any, I think, software developer in such a unique, uh, unique position, uh, working on new things and trying to solve new problems. So, so it's, it's that kind of aspect of the, the presentation, the data understanding, the business case understanding that really makes, I think, has made my time uh, and my getting up to speed at Simplify such a successful one. What is Simplifya? So Simplifya is a, a software as a service that really is going to help you as the cannabis operator, whether you're a cultivator, a manufacturer, or retail store, it's going to help you to make sure that you're doing things that are in compliance with both your own organization and the laws that you or the regulations you're adhering to. So state and local, um, we do that through, through four different kinds of tools. Um, basically it's, it's a self-auditing and assessment tool. It's a standard operating procedure tool, a license tracker tool, and then a smart cabinet tool, which is, is document storage, but all of which is kind of meant to deliver content to you. And that's relevant to where you're at, what state you're in and, and what city you're in. Um, and we have a very robust uh, legal slash regulatory affairs team is what they're called that really takes the regulations. And we've taken 14 million kind of words of regulations so far and puts them into audit questions or standard operating procedures. So we give you these kind of out of the box tools that you're able to use to, to make sure that you're complying where you need to comply and with what you need to comply to. I think that's what I found most interesting when I was looking into it is that it makes sure that you don't lose your license and you maintain your business sort of at, you know, the best way possible. Yeah, exactly. And the best way possible is by documenting so many of the things that you have to do, right? That's, mm -hmm. that is, that is a burden that I think cannabis has in cannabis operations that, you know, is higher than most other industries. You've got to, that, that's what seed to sale is. And, and you've got to be able to show where things went and what you did and simplify it helps you on, on kind of a deeper level and allows you to, as some of our clients have put it, kind of punch above your weight. So you can get more, you can get more done with a, a three-person compliance team and don't necessarily need to hire those other two people or three people, whether depending on whatever your, your compliance needs are based on your number of locations, the amount of states that you're in, uh, it just allows kind of the, the compliance team to go farther with less. You know, I come from the manufacturing, from a manufacturing background, and a lot of these legacy compliance teams are binders and they have their Bibles and a lot of it's paper. Uh, talk a little bit about where is the cannabis industry right now when it comes to compliance? And, you know, are they, you know, can they kind of jump ahead of legacy manufacturers just because they're so new that they can kind of jump in at a better starting point? I think that is true in in some cases where I, where largely by and large the industry is is uh, compliance is you can treat it as a luxury without necessarily getting bit. Um, that's that's the case in in some states, uh, especially the more legacy ones. But if you're in the new states and you're coming in with the with the understanding that I'm going to do compliance right, you're going to have a leg up. Um, 
because you're going to be ready for when the regulators start making more frequent visits or when uh, you're ready to sell your company and you've got this backlog of the activities that you've done and how you've maintained compliance over the years. Uh, and you're just going to be in that much better shape to either profit or, or to really kind of rise above the rest of your competition in wherever, whatever state you're in. So you talk about being a Renaissance man, wearing a lot of hats. Um, you know, that's something that I've always enjoyed too at startups and at younger companies, independent companies. Is that something, do you fear Simplify becoming a larger company and, you know, kind of putting you more in a box, so to speak? No, not necessarily. I, I think, <clears throat> I think what's really interesting about what Simplify has done is one, um, we built ourselves this moat with the content piece of it. Um, there are, we, we've been doing it for five years for one, there's a lot of, um, very standardized processes from all aspects of hiring to actually how we produce the content. Um, so in that regard, I, I think it's pretty clear where the, the core value prop is for Simplify. And I think the, that's where we scale in, you know, we're, we're going to expand in other States. We are going to be doing more local jurisdictions and providing the content where we need it. But really, uh, the, the rest of the, the team, there's not too much to expand, so to speak. So maybe support builds a little bit here and there, maybe engineering builds a little bit here and there. But it doesn't really, we're not really going in a direction where Simplify needs to be a gigantic company because we can serve a gigantic market at a relatively small size, given the, the nature of our model. When you talk about providing content, what specifically is that? Is that the, you know, sort of rubric uh, or uh, the playbook for people? Is that, you know, the out, uh, the legislative outline? What is that? Fantastic question. So I'd say by and large, and this is really where Simplify started, it is taking the entire set of regulations, let's say for, for uh, the state of Colorado and Denver, Colorado. And for our audits, what we do is we put them into yes or no questions. So you can kind of have a, it, it's, it's very catered to you specifically and even the licenses that you have at your facility. Um, so you're going to see different questions if, if you've got manufacturing licenses versus uh, retail licenses. Um, and within that, we've got sort of branching logic. So if you do do a sort of activity, you'll see questions around it. If you don't, um, you won't see questions around it. So it's, it's really specified to your specific licenses. And we actually bring it to uh, yes or no questions at a 10th grade level. Um, and within that, the, the tool allows you to do a lot of things like attach documentation, you know, kind of manage a comment slash note flow. Um, but it really, I think that's the simplest example of, of really how we take the regulations and transform them into really what's relevant for you. What is your clientele? What's your customer base like after five years? Uh, after five years, we're, we're over a thousand locations. We've got MSOs and uh, one location shops alike. We do kind of have, we do also have a, a, a set of modules, the same set of modules, but geared towards ancillary companies. So who we consider lawyers, consultants, um, that's a bit of a smaller part of our client base, but yeah, we are, we are touching all sorts, all or all aspects kind of, of, of the industry. We're in 21 States, um, touching all, all sorts of manufacturing versus cultivation versus distribution. We cover all of those things. And, uh, you know, so we've, we've really just kind of, had to had to work through one of our that's one of our biggest challenges as it were is everybody operates in a completely different way um, and that makes finding a common denominator for a software kind of a challenging thing to do um, but we're, we're doing that in, in what I feel is a really good way by allowing the system to be configurable to, to you and your needs well the common denominator is 10th grade level yes and no questions 
in in one module, right? Yeah. So we oh. we got SOPs, which are you know you're able to purchase packages where where we'll provide you the list of of cultivation SOPs that Illinois provide or that Illinois would require, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You can you can buy those from us. You can download them into kind of your own account, customize them for yourself, assign them out to people, edit them as edit and version them as needed. Um, for for smart cabinet, our document storage. Yeah, it's 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 very similar, but it's we're telling you what files you need to upload and, and need to keep on for for how long, um, and we're allowing you to kind of have the the buckets or almost the the analog or sorry digital binders that you mentioned before um, because it is that that is really I don't want to say we're trying to replicate that because we're trying to do it better, but that I think is a, is a decent analogy to kind of enter with. Okay. Um- what states are you working on content for now that aren't online yet? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Uh, and a great one for our, our COO and, and his team. I think we may have either just finished Utah or we're coming online in Utah. Um, I know Utah and, you know, I don't even want to speak to a few others. That is something that hopefully I can get you after the fact because there are a few. But um, I know we've got kind of all the we certainly have all of the states where we're where they do med MREC. Um, we're prioritizing some of the more more med ones uh, or in those who are coming online a little newer kind of based on based on market size, of course, you know, using the, the X's and O's there to determine what's going to make most sense. Uh, and we're also always kind of having to factor in, you know, where are our current clients expanding to? Because we don't necessarily, we don't just by default cover uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado, where we do cover that now. But um, but in order to kind of enter into a new state, we're really kind of just going in with that state regulation content. But we have to prioritize, yeah, well, I want city A and city B. And based on our clientele and kind of where we see and, and what the market is even at the city level. So um, so yeah, it's really, we're, we're in the 21 states, like I said, and uh, I do wish I knew what the next one was, but maybe Utah. Okay. Where is the industry when it comes to regulatory and operational compliance? It depends on who you're talking to. So it depends on whether you're talking to, I think, a a large multi-state operator or whether you're talking to a mom and pop shop. Um, We are are definitely talking to a lot of and have a lot of multi-state operators on. And where it is heading, where it is heading, I think, is... uh, Getting the right tool set, I think people are at the point where they're now looking for the right tool set to match a bunch of different functions at the company, right? So we are hearing, for example, that that QM is now an interesting kind of crossover for Simplify Up, whereas we never really kind of thought about that side of the manufacturing realm and had it always been more about the documentation aspect, the SOP versions and, and editing aspects. Um, but so now people are starting to ask these questions of us, which I think shows more of a, more of a desire to see their tool set kind of, um, either synced or, or maybe even, um, trimmed down a little bit. Um, so we are, we are trying to find our way there and really trying to, to find a way to be as useful to people outside the compliance department as possible. I think, I think there, we're seeing a lot of crossover at the MSO level. Um, for your smaller operators, we're still in a, in very much an education game of why is compliance important to me? How do you help me to do something that I don't yet fully understand is, is kind of one of our sales challenges. Um, and so, so it's a different game there, um, tends to be shorter sales cycles, but at the same time, 
people are probably brushing off the idea of people are still having confusion even on operational compliance compared to inventory compliance. Um, we're still getting confused for POS systems when, when sometimes we reach out to people. So, so there's still, I think, there's still some clarity and there's still a lot of blurred lines in what compliance actually means for cannabis, especially at the smaller level. How do, how do the mom and pop shops use Simplifya? The, the biggest way that we've seen, and, and I think this is partially because it's, it's the legacy, it's our original legacy tool, but it's doing regular self audits so that you're able to kind of just benchmark yourself. Um, and we're actually in the beginning stages of more of a, a heavy analytics feature to truly kind of bring home that promise. Um, but they're doing a, a quarterly audit, so to speak, and looking at the things that, that are either most high risk for them in their evaluations or just doing a full audit, which can be in the, in the five to 700 question range. So it's, it's nothing to sneeze at. Um, but doing that kind of on a quarterly or, or um, every six months gives them that ability to benchmark. And I think most importantly, doing that when they come on lets them know upfront, this is what we're doing wrong. And hopefully they're in, a, they're in kind of a, just a downward trend where they're uh, or a downward um, arc where they're seeing less and less non-compliance happen every time they're doing an audit. That, that I think is one of the, the most common cases. Um, a lot of people also have an entry point through our license tracking tool. So not only do we allow you to, to kind of put in your licenses um, and, and any relevant information, whether it's renewal costs, the body who, who gave you the license, um, or any other notes or attachments that belong to it, which is, which is a very common thing, kind of adding your license files. Um, but we also kind of give you a pretty robust ability to get alerts and emails around your expirations. So I can have somebody in Simplify or without just by adding their email, I can give them the ability to, to get these, these license reminders so that nothing falls through the cracks, which is really kind of a huge benefit to license tracker, but also really what Simplify helps you do in general. In comparison, how are MSOs using Simplifya? MSOs are using a lot of different ways, honestly. So yeah. we're seeing a lot of variation between the, the way that they're, they are delegating the work in Simplifya. We're seeing a lot of differences between the amount of users in Simplifya. But there's a couple kind of common paradigms that I think stick out. Um, the first is you'll have somebody who's kind of a, a compliance or regional manager who's really assigning things out to people at the, at the ground level general managers or managers that that sort of level and saying, hey, do this audit. You're responsible for this on however long. I'm going to manage all the assignments. I'm going to go with you through the process because I'm a little bit more, they tend to be a little bit more of an expert on the actual regulation. So there, there's a, a training element even to it. Um, and then it kind of just becomes this, this period, moving a period up where everything flows through this, the compliance one or two people, um, but they're having kind of that on the ground work done by, by the management level. Um, the second one is you, you'll kind of have that compliance team be a little bigger and probably taking care of everything by itself, um, which could mean, you know, traveling around to actually do the audits and not necessarily delegating them. Um, but they're, they're doing that. They're managing SOPs in some cases, um, depending on kind of typically what, what type of facility you're working with uh, or what type of facilities you have. Um, and then we have some folks who are kind of just using it on a license tracker slash documentation basis. So 
having the licenses in the system, managing the, the hundreds in some cases. Um, we allow you to manage employee badges as well, not just the state, the state licenses. We actually allow you to kind of track anything that has an expiration date. So it could be, could be very much in the equipment realm. Um, oh, okay. And so we allow you to track those and, and control that. So we've got a lot of people who are kind of using that more documentation side of the app, wherein, um, you know, I'm, I'm not only adding and having this whatever alert noti- notification system I need for my licenses and badges, but I'm also putting all the relevant files there so that they're there. Anybody who needs it, whether that be our team or finance or, or so on and so forth, can come and find these things. And, and we're kind of creating this this documentation capsule for license, um, which then also kind of feeds into our smart cabinet, our overall document storage, which people have called kind of more of the long term as it relates to the to the license licensing side of things. So, how are you guys preparing for if and when federal legalization comes down, and maybe all of a sudden everything's got to change? Yeah. Everything's got to change, but I think there's a few things that that make us think it's going to be pretty manageable for us. Um, one, we've we've dealt kind of with the, the big challenge off the bat is is getting federal content right. So the assumption being there's there's something that needs to be kind of translated at the federal level in the way that we do state regulations or, or local regulations. Um, we're confident in our ability to do that. We've done we've done some federal based stuff around the CDC since COVID has happened. Um, so that's been there has been a federal touch to our content, um, and it's it's really small tweaks to the system as far as that goes. I don't see a lot of the other aspects of the system changing too much outside of potentially how people choose to audit themselves and, and how maybe that changes. But at the end of the day, you're, you're likely still going to have the state knocking at your door. Sometimes you're likely still going to have the local jurisdiction knocking at your door sometimes. And so between that and the fact that I need to document this business, because even if federal comes along, there's still going to be a lot that I have to adhere to from a documentation standpoint. There's still going to be, it's not going to just naturally make or magically make all of the the kind of the the reason that seed to sale is is a big premise of this industry. It's not going to make that go away, um, and, and it's certainly not going to go away in the same way for every state and every local jurisdiction. So I think I think we're ready to roll with the punches on that. But as far as our content and, and what the, the the essence of the app does, documentation, uh, I think that value prop is still still alive and well once federal comes. What are the advanced analytics tools that you're working on? So we are working on the ability to to really better compare yourself to yourself as well as yourself to kind of benchmarks across the system. So um, the, the the two biggest things that that really are kind of coming out as as an MVP as we call it um, is going to be looking at kind of the auditing side of things. So looking at one, um, you know, being able to see location A versus location B, what percentage of questions are answered non-compliant in audits at each one. Um, furthermore, if I break it down, are there specific categories that I'm doing poorly in at one location versus another? So I can really hone in on more of a strategy, uh, for, for how I'm going to tackle kind of compliance and, and the same premise for what we call action. So if you get something that's non-compliant, basically you need to take an action to fix that. And so action items help you with that remediation. So same thing, kind of looking at on a task basis, you know, how many of these have actually been closed? How long is it taking to close them? And really helping you just tighten the bolts of how you're using Simplify is really where we want to go with it. Um, as well as giving people kind of a, a language, a language that they can speak in terms of their compliance and in terms of their remediation. How is it sold? Are you, is it, 
uh, billed based on company size and the number of seats? It is billed, not number of seats. So we allow you to have an unlimited number of seats. It is billed based on company size in however many locations you want to add. So um, basically, let's say, I, let's say I've got 60 locations or 60 facilities across the states. I'd be billed uh, 289 as our base price for each one. Um, that gives you access to everything, audits, SOPs, license tracker, and smart cabinet. Um, and the way that that really works is because you're getting, you need to have that location in the system to really benefit because you're getting content that is relevant to the locations and the licenses of that location. So it's not like you can necessarily just come on, if I've got 60 locations, come on and, and just put one location on and get all the content that I need. Because at that point, you're, you're really only going to be getting, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, and that's not relevant for a Denver location or, or even a St. George location. Mm-hmm. When, uh, when a new client comes online, what is that ramp up process like? So it, it was, uh, it's been a, a very interesting kind of learning curve there. Um, you know, it became apparent to us within the last few years that, that compliance is strategy. There's, this is not an, an app that you can kind of come around and use, come on and use mindlessly. Um, it's the kind of thing where I kind of want to know what I'm doing going in. I, I want to understand, like I was saying, what do I want to do? How do I want to use audits, right? What is right for my team? How do I, how often do I want to schedule them to make sure I'm meeting my compliance? Um, and, and so, so it's become much more uh, apparent to us over time. And, and we've, we've taken a lot of steps to making sure that we've got a lot more robust of a, of a training period. Um, so we are seeing, especially at the MSO level, a lot of different users coming on. Um, like I said, there are those users who are maybe less privileged in terms of their permissions, but they're, they're responsible for doing that on the ground work, like conducting an audit. Um, and so within that, we, we do everything that we can to get anybody who's a user into at least one training, typically tends to be, I think, kind of two. Um, and then we have a, a kind of a very robust, uh, a very robust kind of support paradigm where we're helping users uh, achieve what they need to. Uh, and so it's very kind of, I want to say it's very customized um, because it depends on what you're doing is, is what will kind of gear you to do in the system and, and gear you towards what you should be doing first and, and what should be down the line. I want to ask a little bit about your time at Simplify again. It seems like you've had just uh, one heck of a rise up the corporate ladder. Uh, you know, could you talk a little bit about to what do you attribute to from in the last like four plus years going from developer to director of product and engineering? You know, I attribute it to, to kind of the first few things that we talked about. One is I think that's, that's part of what you get. Um, when you do come with somebody or you do, you do hire somebody who is on the a second or third career, um, you get that sort of ability to really come in and, and proactively think about what needs to be done as opposed to, you know, college student, you may more expect that person to come in and expect to be told the things to do. Um, at least that's been my experience coming out of college and, and the, some of the jobs that I had. Um, so that was, a, that was a major thing. I think, I think that's also kind of the opportunities that a startup affords you. Um, you get to get your hands on things faster and on more things faster. And as you do that, you have kind of a, a, bigger, a bigger list of, of experiences to pull from that really make the jump from a associate software engineer to a software engineer work. Or um, I, I got from uh, just a regular software engineer to a senior by building kind of a an internal app that we use. So I got to experience all aspects of development that 
I wouldn't have even if I were at a bigger company in a development role. So um, I, I think it really boils down to kind of a lot of validated experience, as our CEO likes to put it. And there's just kind of more to go around at a startup. And, and I'm always happy to kind of take those things on because those are really the challenges that, that I think drive me professionally. So what was it that made you make the jump into that dev boot camp? Because if I read it right, it looks like before that, you know, you were promoting an Oscar winning film short about a 109 year old piano playing Holocaust survivor. So, I mean, <laughs> how did you, uh, I'm just kind of curious about uh, making that move. Totally. I, and David, I'm so glad you brought up the lady number six. That was, a, that was such a rewarding experience, but very cool that that, that came up. Um, really, it just, it didn't fulfill me, I think, professionally um, in a way that, that the, the technology aspect does. And, and really, I think a, a great example of that was... Um, I think I really like the data side of marketing. Marketing afforded me access to data in ways that I never really had prior to what went in journalism for one. Um, and it was kind of at, at a time when, you know, data just kind of started snowballing into these are all the things that you could do. And there's a lot more in, in the, in the ether of the internet about, um, you know, the possibilities of growth hacking and, and all that sort of stuff um, was, was around that time. So that kind of combined with just, I didn't see a future in marketing. I, I didn't really see myself wanting to get into a CMO role. That didn't, that didn't really drive me as an end destination. Um, and then, yeah, I had a chance to do things like um, code HTML pages and dive into to SQL and databases to understand how I could kind of help improve the content for Wizant where I was at at the time. Um, and that really kind of just hooked me. And, and that and... You know, obviously, it's it's no secret that um, software engineering is a well compensated position. So I think that only made it all the easier. But the hard part definitely was kind of pulling that trigger to say, "All right, let me let me leave my job and go back to school for twelve weeks." But uh, it was it was very worth it because Dev Bootcamp was not only great from a technical aspect, but they were really great from kind of a, a personal growth aspect as well. Did you have any base that you went into this bootcamp with, or did you kind of just? go into a, co a development boot camp cold? Uh, well, I had a base in that. I had a small base. So that was, I think, but that base was ultimately not a lot of things that we focused on in that boot camp. So I had a small basis in understanding kind of, you know, the, the, the core concepts of databases, tables and, and relational databases, things like that. Um, I, I had an understanding of HTML and CSS. Um, that, that prepared me a little bit, I think gave me some important, important tenets of, of development, but it didn't prepare me, you know, time to, to learn something like Ruby on Rails, which is what that bootcamp did and really what it takes to, to kind of understand and learn just a development framework like that. But um, it was something that I, that I went in with a lot of vigor because I did just have so much excitement about, um, about what I learned for, for the database stuff for HTML, CSS. Um, that I felt like I could only be learning things that were more exciting for me. And, and that actually turned out to be true. I wanted to go back into simplify as features and sort of just run down the top four that I have and see if you could give me sort of a, a high level description of what each sort of provides the user. Of course. Um, so we've talked about it a lot, but high level, what's simplify as self audit? Simplify as self audit allows you to just 
create an assignment where you are in fact just choosing your location, choosing the licenses that you want to, and it's going to spit out a set of questions for you that help you to understand whether or not you're complying with your state laws and regulations. All yes, no, um, at some conditionals. And in, in, like I was saying, if, if you do do something, you'll see some questions. If you don't, you won't see those questions. Um, and then it allows you to just kind of answer in a yes or no format to get to uh, when you're finished, uh, basically the, the list of what you're doing in a compliant manner versus what you're doing in a non-compliant manner. Is Simplify an app that's downloaded onto individual devices? No, by and large, the, the four main features live within uh, just a web app. So you'll just go to app.simplify.com. You can do it on, on of course, a, a phone browser or just a, a normal laptop browser. Um, we do have a mobile app, and that is only in the audits realm, and that is geared towards if you're somebody who is not always going to have access to, to the internet, um, we allow you kind of that offline functionality to get the questions, to answer them in that same yes or no format, and then port them back up once you're done, um, where they'll ultimately live, where the reports live in the web app. With all of these, with all of this seemingly proprietary information living in this app, you know, can you speak a little bit about the security? Uh, is that ever an issue or a concern as people are coming online? Oh, definitely concerned, right? So, uh, I mean, we, we have a really good foundation in that Simplify uh, is built on AWS. Um, so we benefit from, from the foundations and the structures that they put into place. Um, but certainly, yeah, we do, we do have concerns, uh, concerns about making sure that we're, we're doing, taking the right steps with PII, personally identifiable information um, of, of how we're storing people's documents. And, and we take pretty secure Shift left is, is typically what they call it, but we take pretty secure steps throughout the development process to make sure that the, the documents and the just the user information is, is being protected. Jumping back into Simplify's features, uh, tell me about the SOP feature. SOP, so standard operating procedures, really allows you to kind of build out um, what are step-by-step processes or just documentation around proprietary things of your own. So um, whether it is, it is cultivation practices, manufacturing practices, um, we allow you to build those out in a format that um, allows it to be both assigned out and or kind of versioned in a way that you've always got a current version and you've got your, and most importantly, your back history of what your SOPs look like as they versioned. Um, and so on top of that, we actually do build our own SOP templates um, that you purchase outside of the, the subscription fee and you have access to just download them and customize them in whatever way makes sense for you. So very popular in California where, you know, SOPs are a huge part of the application. Um, typically pretty popular wherever SOPs are a huge part of the application. But we really do, and this is where the QM aspect comes in, we really do kind of allow you this historical look and to allow you to kind of make that more task-based as you talk about your operating procedures. Are we talking about high-level facility management, or is it all the way down to trimming? In terms of what we provide, I don't believe we offer, I can't speak to if we offer kind of things at that level of trimming. Um, it's going to be a little bit more at the operational side of, of your books and records, that sort of stuff, and how you're okay. operating in that regard. Um, but you're able to, to kind of customize and add your own and, and cover whatever you want. Um, and not only can you do that, but you're able to, to assign them out to, to multiple people across your org, you're able to connect them to specific states and or locations to, to kind of 
customize who's able to see things or, or be assigned to them. And so you've kind of got that full flexibility of, of editing and, and then ultimately kind of acting on the SOPs, even if that's only having people sign off that they read a new version of something. What is the smart cabinet? Smart cabinet is, is very much document storage, but it's built in a way that we provide you what we call, well, what are folders full of what we call documents. Um, and these documents aren't a document in terms of a file, but they are, this is a, a document that you need to be keeping to be compliant with the law. So our, our classic example is a visitor log as a document. You're actually going to have maybe 12 visitor logs a year if you're doing it monthly, but we want, we give you the option or, or we make it so that you're tying those to kind of this broader document, which not only becomes a, a collection in a, in a folder sort of way, but it also comes kind of with descriptive aspects that will tell you the citations that are relevant for it. will tell you why it's relevant based on um, the, the process that our RA team went through to, to kind of develop it. And so you've got it also customized to the locations and the licenses that you have. So we're telling you, we're basically giving you a cheat sheet of the things that you need to be keeping for your documentation and your document compliance. Okay. And I have to imagine that that is pretty close uh, with license tractor tracker. It is. And only getting closer license tracker <clears throat> license tracker is probably the, the simplest um, at face value. It's just, you know, it's allowing you to add the necessary fields and necessary data about your licenses um, while giving you the functionality to, if you want to manage your own categories for specific things, you're able to do that. You're able to kind of bulk import licenses to really kind of ease the process of getting people who do have a lot of licenses onto the system. Um, and then on the back end, really allowing you to be proactive. It's it's a lot more of a, a set it and forget it kind of manner than I think the other parts of the app. Because done right, you know, you've got your information in there, you're getting alerts when things are, are up and due, and then you're coming in and you're actually doing things to, to get towards license renewal or to update the license, whatever it may be. But it's it allows you to really, it allows you to, to kind of tap people across the organization through the way those notifications work. Getting, uh, getting people out of those spreadsheets. Exactly. Exactly. And we, we have a lot of people who have, you know, we've had product calls and they're like, all right, so I'm just doing this in this, this rainbow colored spreadsheet that's got thousands of licenses and, you know, finance has to be a part of it. And so does so many other, so many other parts of the organization. And so we're doing, we've, we've done a lot to make sure that we can kind of be that central hub, that, that source of truth, if you will, um, so that you've got the information about, you know, one of the most important things about a license is how much it costs you to renew it. So you can kind of have all of that in the same place, in addition to the files that you need or the, the files of the license itself, um, so that you do have that and, and people can know where to access it. Simplify recently or last year raised some pretty significant funding. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how that had an impact on the company? Absolutely. So, so we are, <clears throat> I don't think it's overly, well, it's been announced, but I don't think it's over the common knowledge that we are, we are kind of trying to make our way into um, the e-commerce realm um, as there is, is certainly a significant tie into compliance. So that was a pretty big part of it was just kind of expanding our, our footprint, expanding the umbrella of the Simplify family. Um, that's all I can really say about it, I think now, but uh, in addition to that, it is, you know, it's kind of helped us to expand the team in the ways that we needed to, to, to add a little bit more across the, in particular, sales and, and regulatory, regulatory affairs side of things. Um, and doing that is what I kind of allows us to scale into other states and, and also kind of explore, explore some other offerings, like how we, how we become a better, a better bridge for, um, 
say, financial institutions or insurance agencies. So to kind of get a little bit more out there in terms of a product offering, um, whether that's through our app or, or through other things that are maybe a little bit more um, in their infantile stages right now, but are, but are certainly hopefully gaining traction. So a lot of going to that, but not, not huge growth. Like I was saying, it's, it's certainly, um, it's adds a new face to the team. How much was it in funding? Was it 2.5? I think it was closer to, I think it was closer to, to, to four or six. Okay. Okay. That's what I thought. I, I just, I didn't know if my math was wrong or I shouldn't have been adding. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not a division question though. That's for sure. But no, I think, um, yeah, I believe it was, I believe it was four to six is what we came okay. out with. Okay. Um, so how, what has been, uh, what has been the most challenging aspect of the job for you so far? Ooh, I would say the most challenging really has been, it has been getting up to speed from the, the product aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we had a very, a very awesome and interesting start where we worked with the, the audits tools built first and, and really kind of a couple of years before anything else. Um, and it was through kind of the brainchild or, or working with um, Vicente Cedarberg, Colorado law firm worked with, worked on amendment 64 um, they were doing a lot of audits at the time and they were doing them analog with checklists, walking around facilities. So they were kind of the first ones to see that idea. Um, but the flip side of that, right, is, is there wasn't a lot of customers to talk to about whether that was a customer facing kind of thing, as opposed to just something that an ancillary company like a lawyer would do. Um, so there's been a very, there's been a lot of learning around who the main users are, what the clientele needs, really trying to become uh, need-driven in terms of how we approach building things because there really, there isn't a good example necessarily of, of what we're trying to do. Um, that maybe the best would be some of your, your enterprise scale ERPs, um, but even that's, that's not apples to apples. And there really isn't an apples to apples in terms of how you serve cannabis operators, big and small. So that was certainly, I think, one of the hardest parts. And then kind of really understanding, and, and once we were able to really kind of create a, a culture where feedback is so important and our clients understand it, and we, we, we've kind of put our money where our mouth is and building things that they've, they've given us um, feedback on, uh, it, it just kind of boils down or, or came down to, you know, that understanding who we needed to talk to about what, and that, um, as our old product manager used to say, the only, you, you know, the only similarity between, uh, McDonald's and, uh, you know, a, a diner is that they serve hamburgers, right. But everything else is significantly different. Um, and that's kind of how, how we've come to have to understand our, the teams that are using Simplify. Everybody's got a little bit different flavor of how they're doing it. Um, and to be fair, from, from big to small, even a little bit different flavor of how, how they approach technology in general, how they approach softwares and, and using softwares. So we've had, we've really, like I said, had to come for that lowest common denominator. Um, and that's been, it's been a big challenge, but it's been one that we've made a lot of headway on in, in recent years. What are your predictions and expectations for Simplify in the you know, near term, like the next one to five years? Next one to five years, we are going to we are going to one hundred percent 
become a lot better of an analytics tool that allows you to outside the box, get or, or out of the box, sorry, um, allows you to really understand exactly what we're going to fit into and help you to get where you need to go. Um, basically, you know, that looks like for us helping you see that you need a smaller team than you would have otherwise. Um, so that that's a huge thing. And then I think where we're, we're really trending is, um, becoming a tool that really is, is a lot smarter in the ways that the different modules work together um, and allowing you to really kind of point all of the different activities that you're doing towards the specific goals of cannabis compliance, which at the moment, there's, there's kind of two major silos for, for this compliance. And one is licensing renewal, the other is inspection readiness. So really honing in on what both of those two mean in a super, super hyper kind of way, as opposed to you know, we allow you to have this found fundamental strategy where you're collecting your data and you're documenting things, um, but really acting more on the ground for those two specific use cases, which are the biggest ones we hear, especially from our MSOs. What are your predictions for the cannabis industry? Any thoughts on uh, next states to come online or uh, when it might go federal? Oh, she'd be talking to, to our VP of partnerships about that. She's always, she's always the one, the one taking me down those, those directions. I think, uh, you know, I think as much as we'll see that, we'll, we'll see federal pretty soon. I think you were, we're hearing a lot of, a lot of interesting rumblings. I think a lot of the tells are coming from banking where we're really starting to loosen up to the idea that, you know, there should be fair banking for cannabis. Um, and that's clearly one of the biggest hurdles that people have right now, because if somebody, if there's potential stipulations on you banking, um, a bank may not, may not want to take that chance. So once that kind of opens up, I think that becomes a, a very interesting conversation. Um, there's, there's still a lot of, of, of interest, or we've heard a lot of interest in, in kind of simplify uh, as it relates to hemp and CBD. Um, okay. But the content does make that kind of a different lift because we do have the content aspects. Um, very interesting for sure. But yeah, I, I think that's kind of where we're, we're certainly heading um, as we really, really hone in on, on what people are needing in the long term, especially the, the MSOs and the larger client crowd. Well, I wanted to thank you for not having a fake background, but as a result, <laughs> I, I have to ask, what's with the guitars and the banjo? I'm a musician, like I said, Renaissance man. So <laughs> So I love, uh, you know, I've, I, I have a passion for writing. That's what led me to journalism originally. Um, I, I've been in a number of bands over the years, now kind of doing uh, a thing with my fiance, uh, soon to be wife in less than a month. Uh, but so, yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, I, I love writing the music. I love the prose uh, in terms of you know, P-R-O-S-E. Um, as well as, you know, my Renaissance man goes into design, goes into technology. Um, so I, I, I try to mean it when I, when I say I'm a Renaissance man, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my take. Are you, are you a musician yourself? I'm not, I feel like I'm surrounded by them, but I just, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of, uh, artistic and musical types and I'm just the word guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are a master Wisconsin, so that makes total sense. <laughs> Very good. Um, well also congratulations, uh, did you have to push back the wedding because of the pandemic or are you just pushing through? We did. We did. So we actually got, um, we got engaged at the end of 2018. 
Um, so it's going to be about close to three years for us. But yeah, we had to kind of do what everybody else did. And it worked out because I think we ended up with an even smaller kind of guest list than we would have otherwise, um, which is really just going to be fun for us because it's all we ever really wanted was just a, a party with family and friends and, and celebrate in that way. So um, we're really looking forward to it. No, I completely get that. Uh, when everyone was talking about going smaller, I'm like, but I ha- like I want to drink with everybody. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's that is exactly uh, that's our philosophy, and so it's uh, it worked out for us. You know, we're lucky, and we're going to get married in a beautiful spot, and um, we're really just aching for these last. I guess what is it? Maybe twenty days to to just be gone and and to be at the day. Oh yeah. Um, is there anywhere people could check out uh, your music? Not at the moment. Uh, okay. Maybe I'll give you a link uh, when I have a chance to think about it. Um, nothing ever really kind of put out professionally, so to speak, uh, professionally mixed at least, but um, I'll get back to you on that. Appreciate you asking. The oh, one other thing I was curious about is I saw that you're a fan of Northern Ohio sports teams and I just, I just don't know how you do it to yourself. I mean, everybody's talking about the Cleveland Browns in the Super Bowl this year. Um mm. I'll tell you what, though, it has always helped. Um, I was an Ohio State grad, as I'm sure you you uncovered. It's always helped having the Buckeye football team. Uh, mm-hmm. They kind of soften the blow. So we've got a couple of championships in my lifetime. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to lie. It was it was exhilarating when LeBron came back and we won in 2016. But the Browns in my lifetime have never really <laughs> anything to <laughs> offer. So you can imagine how exciting this year and, and last year um, are. Well. We have uh, one of my colleagues is the same, uh, same fan of all the same teams. And he was curious, who drives you more insane? Is it the name Francisco Lindor or Johnny Manziel? It's Lindor, for sure. <laughs> I, he heard it. He, you know, he stuck around. He's fantastic. Now he's frustrating the Mets, which I'm really happy about. So hopefully your, your colleague is as well. But yeah, it's just, it's another in a long history of, of not paying our stars. Um, I don't know if it's poor money management or just not wanting to, to put the money into the team that, that some other small, small markets do. Um, but, you know, it goes back to Jim Tomey. It goes back to Manny Ramirez. We've, we found ourselves uh, letting go of and even trading Cy Young players at, at probably an unprecedented clip in my 30 years of, of fandom. So... I totally relate. And then he asks the great question, Manzel, <laughs> I was just able to forget easier. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, well uh, thank you so much for taking the time today, David. It really was a pleasure. Yeah, totally a pleasure, David. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks again, Dave. I really do appreciate it. Before we get out of here, please make sure to like, share, or subscribe to the podcast. You can also help us out a lot by doing a positive review on whatever podcast platform you use. Finally, if you want to reach me or email the podcast, just email david at cannabisequipmentnews.com with email the podcast in the subject line. All right, for Dave Nestoff, I'm David Manti, and this is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.